rather than having made prudent life choices all along, most of us tend to only seek healthful solutions once we've had a scare in the form of a diagnosis or event. This is HealthScape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. In this program, we'll show you the techniques, innovations, and holistic ideas that you can use to put yourself on the path to better health. Now, here is Dr. Trevor Campbell. Welcome to HealthScape. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell. My guest today is Nisi Edwards, whose health journey was triggered when she developed chronic pain, more specifically fibromyalgia. Her commitment to understanding the nature of her pain and persisting with the changes that she needed to make turned her initial challenge and reversal into an inspirational story of triumph. I'm going to read from her submitted bio, Nisi L. Edwards, pain management expert, health activist and conference organizer, TV talk show host, and founder of the Fibromyalgia Patient Education and Support Organization, is here to offer help and hope to the millions of Americans who suffer from debilitating chronic pain. Join her each month on the pain-free zone, moving from pain to wellness. Diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2014, Nisi understands how deeply depressing and frustrating it can be living with chronic pain. Drawing upon her professional experience in health and wellness education, she became her own health advocate, conducting extensive research on the causes of chronic pain, treatments, and resources for fibromyalgia and other pain issues. And this is a quote. I know patients need a partner who empowers them with education and information about their chronic pain issues and how they can be managed and overcome through a mind-body-spirit approach to treatment without resorting to dangerous and addictive opioids. Nisi, I am so pleased to welcome you as a guest. Thank you, Trevor. It is a pleasure to be here. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. So, Nisi, we'll start with um, the event that led you on your journey, of course, was the diagnosis with fibromyalgia in 2014. Tell us a little bit about the onset of this disease. Sure. Trevor, I think the onset, I shouldn't say think, I know for certain that the onset for me, that it was a perfect storm that developed because I was working in corporate America at the time, was working in the pharma industry and worked in pharma for about 14 years, had started a new position at this time in 2012. And um, that was the perfect storm because I was bullied for two and a half years on the job. And when I was bullied, I started having more increased pain. I was already having some pain issues, but this magnified things for me greatly. Pain, depression, not able to sleep. And um, for me, I wound up going to the emergency room twice within a six month time period. Uh, Trevor, the second time I went to the emergency room, the ER doctor, they admitted me for observation. He came up to my room and he said, Nisi, I've seen many people who work at your place of employment. I view it as a toxic work environment. Many of them who have showed up in the ER, they are stressed out. They're having some issues 
just like you. However, he says, yours is far worse. And he says, the reason why you're here is because, because see, Trevor, I had went to occupational health. I mm-hmm. thought it was, you know, blood pressure or I didn't know what was going on. I just thought maybe, you know, I'm coming down with something. Maybe it's my blood pressure. I don't know. I go to occupational health. The next thing I know, they've called paramedics. And so the ER doc said to me, you're here because they thought you were having a massive heart attack. He says, you're not having a massive heart attack, but if you do not get your stress under control, next time you will not be so fortunate. And that's was the perfect storm for me because this was ongoing, the bullying for two and a half years. And that last year when this started, those last six months were the worst six months of my life. I can believe it, Nisi. I mean, uh, uh, bullying uh, people, it's a, its almost a schoolyard term, uh, certainly in the English language, but uh, it can be very extreme and it turns it turns an already stressful competitive workplace into a war zone. Yes. For those who haven't been bullied, uh, it can be really bad. That's what I'll say. Yes. It was very bad. So then you had this insight insight that you clearly had to deal with. Was it a shock to you or in retrospect, did you feel that this was building, building, and you had a feeling, perhaps some people report this, that prior to the onset of symptoms, it felt like things were going out of control or you had a maybe ominous feeling? Yes, um, definitely knew something was going out of control and initially I tried to move past it by ignoring it and I've learned that when you're dealing with something like this or with any chronic illness it's not something where you can run away from it you have to confront it head on and I at that time had seeing Trevor doctor after doctor after doctor. And it was so frustrating because this thing seemed like it was taking over every aspect of my life. You know, if you can imagine you wake up with pain and you go to bed with pain and the next day, you know, the cycle starts all over again. And um, I remember I saw this one doctor that I had been treating with for about seven years. And I went to him and said, look, I'm in so much pain. I I don't know how I'm going to be able to function anymore. And um, I need to just take some time off, you know, just to regroup. I wanted to have like, for example, two weeks off just to regroup thinking if I can just get that time where I can just focus and calm down, things were going to be better. And Trevor, he said, look, I don't have to. and, And these were his exact words is seared in my mind. He says, look, I don't have time for this. He said, there's nothing wrong with you. If anything, it may be fibromyalgia. And I was like, fibro what algae? What is that? That was the very first time I had heard it. And right. he said, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I don't have time for this. And I was sharing with a friend what had happened. And she referred me to her doctor. And that's when I had my seventh second opinion with a healthcare provider to find out to see if anybody could help me. So I knew it was building. I knew it was getting worse. And um, prior to going out on medical leave, I had had surgery. In addition to the surgery, after that, the doctor said, you know, how are you feeling? I had 
more pain than I had in an auto accident that happened two weeks before my surgical procedure. So my whole body was just inflamed. So I knew it was building and that the end result was not going to be good if I didn't get any help. Right. Well, the doctor's attitude, I mean, um, kind of explains why it is currently believed that of all the people who have fibromyalgia, probably 50% of them have not yet been given a diagnosis. That's true. And you know, Trevor, one thing that I learned about this journey is why he probably was uh, frustrated and didn't want to be bothered with me is because after I, you know, since I've been on this journey, fibromyalgia patients, so here in the U.S., and I don't know how it is in Canada where you're at, but when you go to the doctor, they're asking you how many minutes? No, not how many minutes. What are you coming in for? That dictates mm-hmm. how much time you're going to have with your healthcare provider. Well, with a fibromyalgia patient, we're not the type of patient that you can see for 15 minutes or 10 yeah. minutes and then we're yeah. done. No, that requires you to really get to know that patient, find out what their triggers are. Mm -hmm. and work with them to help them level down that pain. And a lot of providers, as you know, do not want to be bothered with that. They don't want to do that. It's more like drive-through healthcare. That's really what they want. You know, you drive in and you drive out within 10 minutes and then you're supposed to be done. You're supposed to be fixed or they'll give you this magic pill or whatever. The thinking is going to take away the pain, which it doesn't. Right. Now, th- this has been one of the biggest problems is that um, the way the medical business is run in various parts of the world, that these consultation times are ridiculously short for chronic illness. They work if you have conjunctivitis or chest infection, acute sudden onset, but they don't work really well at all. And that's one of the reasons why our outcomes in medicine today regarding chronic uh, diseases is really poor very often um, at mediocre times and um, generally nothing like our our, uh, outcomes in surgical conditions, trauma or or other acute sudden onset diseases like a heart attack or an asthma attack. Right. The big problem that, you know, the way the medical business is run, um, it seems very difficult to solve. I mean, people recognize it, but not a lot has been done so far, in my view. Too little, anyway. Absolutely. So I was going to ask you, um, you know, what you would, because in chronic pain and in chronic illness, people often say they feel let down a bit in their treatment. Uh, it can be, be the wait times, it can be delays, uh, it can be... Um, all sorts of things or not given enough information. Did you have anything specific other than being uh, disbelieved, certainly in the beginning, uh, several times, it sounds like? Yes. Uh, in addition to not being believed, I was just totally dismissed. I was told that it couldn't be fibromyalgia because I was told by one healthcare provider that women of color typically do not have fibromyalgia. So I dealt with healthcare disparities as a woman of color with many healthcare providers not wanting to recognize that, hey, when it comes down to fibromyalgia, you know, it can affect anyone at any given time. Yeah, well, and and, and they, yeah, you see, 
I mean, sometimes we see certain diseases are more prevalent in a certain group. Right. But that doesn't mean that other groups are immune. And it's very little, and I'm a, very few that I'm aware of, if any. But anyway, um, so, so that was another hurdle you had to get over, of course. Yes. So name us some of the lessons you learned once you started educating yourself and realizing what was going on really going on because as you say there's not enough knowledge about it uh, in in the general population you know unless they know someone very close to them with the illness what were the big sort of aha moments or the most important ones if you could name a few please yes the the first one that i will name is acceptance that's a big issue for many people myself included in the beginning it was difficult because when people hear the word acceptance, you know, some people think acceptance, I'm never going to accept that I have fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. I had to change my thought process around acceptance. So acceptance to me represented, okay, this is what the doctor has diagnosed me with. So, all right, that's what it is. Now, I'm going to move beyond that. Now, let me get down to business that I have a diagnosis. Where am I going to go with this? And that's when I started doing my own research. Because if you get stuck with acceptance and fighting it, all you're going to do is increase that pain instead of saying, okay, that's what the doctor said. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to the next step. Um, The other thing that I learned for me was a big aha moment was mindset. I've met so many people with my not-for-profit and and other clients that mindset plays a huge role, Trevor. They would say things such as, I have fibromyalgia. The doctor says there is no cure, so there's nothing I can do. I refer to those individuals as being married to their pain because their mindset states, okay, woe is me, I have this. There's nothing I can do. You have to be accountable for your own mindset. My mantra is stay on Hope Avenue. Yes, the doctor said this, but it's not over with because I'm a woman of faith. So I never give up. I still keep pressing along, staying on Hope Avenue, being hopeful that, you know what, may not be no cure for it, but that does not mean that I have to suffer every day in pain. Right. And and of course, you bring up a very important point. And um, it's certainly one that I would like to spread the message about a spirituality. Yes. um, That obviously played a big part. And um, the unfortunate thing is that when you say spirituality, they feel you're trying to push some sort of church or church attendance. And spirituality is a greater, a great part of our life that we suppress. It's not that we seen through anything. It's the fact that we live in a material world where goods and services are, are you know, fluttered before your face, and that's what we end, end up aspiring to. But what better, what better place to have in your mind than a piece of real estate of the mind where you aspire to higher things, even if it's just a higher you, and where meaning, true meaning, broader than what's in one's own life can be expressed and reflected upon. Yes. 
And, um, you know, I always say if you, because people say, I'm going to pray, I say, that's great. And they say, well, you know, um, I, I'm surprised as a doctor. And I say, I say, look, when you're praying and you're in a spiritual zone, um, whether you're praying or not, you're not focused on your pain. And we know that the biggest trigger of all these pain reactions is an abnormal focus. Now, having said that, it's very hard when something hurts a lot to ignore it. You're not going to just say, well, I'll just forget about this excruciating pain. But it's another aspect or dimension of life that, I mean, studies have shown that people who have some sort of spiritual life and spiritual activity have better health outcomes, particularly in the field of mental health. Yes, I agree with that. Definitely, because research has also shown that People with chronic pain, if they're not careful and if, and if left unchecked, can have problems with their mental health. And likewise, people with mental health, if left unchecked, uh, can develop and will develop chronic pain. Right. No, it's, it's, it takes you out of yourself in a healthy way. And, you know, yes. it's not just about, see, we think of, it could be spirituality, even philosophy is, can be in the under the umbrella of spirituality, uh, creativity, uh, good deeds, all this sort of thing. Um, and basically, it's a very important co component that we have, even our ability to reflect on our own behavior. And, um, you know, other animals we don't suspect do this. So it's a great, it's a, it's great leverage that we can we can exert over our circumstances. So yes. I, I, I ask that often, well, most always actually, and I'm, I'm never surprised when people say they can't even tell me what a, a great, um, uh, what a great uh, help and resource it has been. So that's good to know. Um, and you feel that, you feel that you still, has it made you more spiritual? That's my point, um, which it, I believe it often does, a setback like this. Yes, it's, um, it's made me rely more so on my faith. And I don't know, Trevor, if I've ever shared this with you or not, but it's my faith that led me on this journey to start my own not-for-profit because what happened was, you know, when you're in so much pain, you know, it's not surprising that sometimes we may have a pity party, right? Because it's, woe is me, this is happening to me, we catastrophize things and we just get so caught up in that pain. And then I was praying all the time, I was reading scriptures and whatnot and Trevor, one day God just spoke to me and told me, it's not about you, get up, you know, Yes, this is what the doctor said. I can hear it as clear as day where God spoke to me and said, it's not about you. I got you. I can take care of this. Your job is to go out there to the masses and help other people. And in the beginning, I was kind of, you know, mad about it because I thought God was just going to say, just like that, he's going to, you know, remove this pain, but in the scripture, it talks about, you know, one of the situations where God said, my pain is sufficient for thee, for thee. And he 
and I believe that was with Job and God just spoke with me and I got up and you know what I noticed and what I found out by helping others, it took my mind off of me. It leveled down my pain. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great story because a, a great um, a piece of information. Well, more than a piece of information, but it's great to know that here again you were pulled off from the pain focus, which, as we know, is the big triggering event for all chronic pain. Um, you know, it's a detailed explanation about that, maybe beyond the scope of this particular podcast, but um, podcast episode. But um, th this is the kind of other life that people have who do have a spiritual side to them. Yes. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, were there any particular surprises along the journey that you would that you, you, you would can recount and uh, that you really didn't expect or not particularly? Well, what I did not expect along this journey was the people that I thought was my friends would turn their back on me. Mm -hmm. You know, people that I thought were really there in my corner. Right. Many of them were not there for me because fibromyalgia is known, as you know, an invisible disease. You can look at me, you will say, Nisi looks healthy, but you don't see the pain. You know, um, if I was, let's say, someone in a wheelchair or cast or a walker or a cane, that person can look at me and say, or someone else and say, okay, yes, that person has some type of disability or some type of challenge or a health problem. So many people, what surprised me was, you know, they made it seem as though I was attention seeking and that I was making things up. And uh, that's not just limited to friends, even some family members. So, so that really surprised me because I thought people would really be there for me. And the people whom I didn't think would be there for me are the ones whom were there for me. And then the other surprise along the way was when I decided after God spoke with me that I was going to start, you know, the not-for-profit, and then from there, a talk show and a radio show, people try to discourage me, Trevor. They would say things such as, you've never done this before. Well, what do you know about that? And I thought, you know what? I am not going to let anyone get in my way because I am on a journey here. This is my mission. This is my calling. And I'm not going to let anyone get in the way of what God has called me to do. So th that was a surprise. Well, it illustrates an important point. I mean, once there is belief in a person, I mean, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, said they are able because they believe they are able. Yes. And his work, of course, now with all the says what we've been through, his books and writings are doing pretty well, again, because uh, he understood adversity. And he also understood that a smaller tribe could take on the Romans if they were really pumped and believed they could do it, even if independent observers <laughs> were more skeptical. You know, he obviously learned, obviously learned a few lessons down the road. And again, our expectation, you know, once there's, ex I, I mentioned this in my own book on chronic pain, and not specifically on fibromyalgia, but once we get the meaning of something, and it's our personal meaning 
as well as the meaning of what is really going on or the objective belief, then we can move on to acceptance because how do we accept something when we don't understand what we're accepting? Do you accept this, uh, Trevor? Uh, well, what am I accepting first? You know, that's kind of key, right? So I can only accept something once I actually have an understanding of it. Now, when you work in a pain program, the first thing they ask you is, what is your expectations? But one hasn't gone through, do they understand the meaning? Does the person understand the meaning and have they accepted it? If your house were to be uh, flooded and damaged, you can't, You that's sad, obviously, but you can't, invariably just hand ring and say how bad it is you have to take action rebuild or insurance call or something and then only then can you say well i've done the work i have a strong idea of meaning personal and objective i have the acceptance i can move on it's a, it's a sign of strength it's not giving up some people think if they resist they will get they strong but you can move on and then the expectation can follow. So it's, it all follows nicely. And, um, and we see the product. I mean, you moved on to success despite the naysayers. Yes. And, you know, I want to add on to that when you were talking about acceptance. That's where many people give up because they'll say, I don't care what you say. I refuse to accept it. And I'll say, well, that's your choice. But what are you going to do about it? And they'll say, I'm not doing anything because I don't accept it. And that's the thing. That's mm-hmm. the attitude and the mindset that holds people back because you don't have to, nobody said you have to like the diagnosis, you know, uh, acceptance means many things, but I think when it, again, when it comes down to an illness or condition, I think the mindset that would better serve people who have this would be, okay, this is what the doctor said, but let me see what else I can do to feel better. And do your own research. Right. Uh, no, that's very true, Nisi. Um, I'm, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. I'm interviewing Nisi Edwards. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a path to better health rather than just avoiding disease? A good deal depends on your environment and overall behaviors. On Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell, we focus on the daily techniques that can help with chronic pain, addiction, trauma, and disease. You can take a more active approach to taking control of your health and your life. Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell can be heard every Wednesday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you satisfied with your chronic pain treatment? Chronic pain experts agree that recovery can only occur when the psychological and social issues which help trigger and drive the chronic pain, are treated along with the other problems. Medications, injection therapy, and a range of physical therapies may provide temporary relief of symptoms, but they don't actually address the root causes that drive the chronic pain. I'm Dr. Trevor Campbell, a chronic pain consultant and author of The Language of Pain, a self-help book for those struggling with chronic pain. Add this type of therapy to your existing treatment plan and experience the difference. Get your copy of my book, The Language of Pain, on Amazon. And for further direction, there's also the Language of Pain online course available on my website, www.trevorcampbellmd.com. Act now to take back your life. 
You are listening to Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to host at trevorcampbellmd.com. Now back to the show. Now, Nisi, um, your story highlights your resilience. And um, this is something, obviously, we're all way more interested in, given the last few months worldwide, than perhaps we were in previously. Can you focus on what aspects of um, of resilience, resiliency helped you most? Was it the self-awareness, flexibility, being able to let go physically, mentally? What, what do you think? I, I think the part of resilience that really got me through this was my mantra, setting a mantra that says, I'm gonna stay on Hope Avenue. I refuse to give up. That was the change curve for me that no matter what they threw at me and said, hey, is this, you know, is that it was my resilience was strong because for me, I recognize if I give up now and go down that road where it's gonna be dark, I probably won't survive. So I, I cannot afford to do that. And also I believed in myself because if no one else believes in you, you better believe in yourself. And I feel that that is part of resiliency. You know, when you're down and out and no one else believes in you, you have to believe in yourself because that helped me to recover from and overcome my difficulties. It also required me to be really, really tough, you know, and don't be concerned about when you're facing life challenges, don't be concerned about what other people think about you. Mm -hmm. Part of being resilient is not only recovering from those life events, but what do you think about yourself? Because if you focus and give too much energy to what others say about you, you are never going to gain strength you're not going to get any help. You're going to continue to have setbacks and you're not going to reach the top. And so I refuse to look back. Yeah, and that's the way to go, um, Nisi. You know, um, this, this slogan that you had, um, you're going to stay on Hope Avenue, uh, that works very much like an affirmation where you're nipping that negative start to an idea right in the bud. And uh, people do report this. They have something that they get triggered by something. And before they slip into a negativity zone, a negative zone rather, they, um, they nip it in the bud with an affirmation that's positive or something like Hope Avenue. Um, for sure, that's good. I just want to also mention that, you know, I think the um, it's very much part of human behavior. When you have close friends and some of them, you may be disappointed with their behavior, but firstly, there's this thing we have the normalcy bias. Okay, you've got an illness and they were probably sorry, but they were kind of like you normally had a certain identity and now going and, and becoming more public. Just, it wasn't necessarily envy, perhaps. It was more, <clears throat> are we going to lose you? So, um, 
people do report this quite a, a, a lot, you know. That that's that's good to hear. Um, when did you start feeling that you were getting better, or you were definitely going to recover a good deal? Well, it's, turning point. Yeah, it it really started. I'm going to say so when I share with you about, you know, on the job of being bullied. I had one of the senior managers tell me his exact words was that I didn't earn any brownie points because since I had a chronic illness, they could not relate to that. They didn't really want anyone there, the company with a chronic illness. He told me that they could not rely upon me to get the job done. And so that was my catalyst for fighting this because I knew that, okay, if he's thinking that I'm no good anymore, you know, I got this chronic illness and to me, he was challenging my worth and my value. That was always in the back of my mind that, okay, I've, I've got to work on this, Nisi, because when you go look for another job, when they ask you about, you know, the time you were off work and whatnot, what are you going to do? How do you answer those questions? And then along with that, when I knew that I pretty much had things under control, they may not have been 100% under control, Trevor, but I knew. I was going down the right path with my mindset because I stopped thinking negative things about myself because I'm a believer that if you say negative things about yourself and you believe them, it makes you feel so bad. But right. if you say positive things about yourself, it feels so good. It's just like, you know, think about a young child. If you tell a young child, oh, you're no good, you're not this, you're not that, it makes them feel so bad. But if you use positive affirmations or reinforcement to lift someone up, it makes them feel really good. Once I started doing that and I noticed there was a change in my pain levels, I knew that I was onto something. I knew that, okay, I, I'm fighting this. And um, I shouldn't really say the word fight because sometimes, you know, that means you're wrestling with something. But what I will say is this. What strengthened me was I knew based upon the changes that I have observed in my own body that there was a way out of this for me and that I was going to overcome it. Yeah, no, that, that feeling, and people do report that. They say that it was a turning point and they can often relate it to being in a particular store or driving along where they just had the feeling this is going to be okay. And I think, well, I, I don't know the answer to as to why, but I do think about it a lot. And I think it's the building up body of evidence, you know, feeling maybe a bit improved on that front and that an outlook where it gets a critical mass where you know you're going to push through. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's also good to hear. Um, and Trevor, the other part of that is when you are already down, there's only one way but up. You know what I mean? <laughs> the way I looked at it was, if yeah. you're feeling like you're already down and out, stop yeah. with the defeatist attitude. There's only one way out. You got to move up. Well, I've used that so many times because, you know, the <laughs> chronic pain, they talk about the downward spiral. Right. And I always say, you know, you can, uh, you can always spiral up with neuroplasticity and behavioral change. Right. Um, and uh, there's one way to go. So, uh, 
when you you've obviously been very successful in your work, right? Regarding education, motivation, coaching, community, um, what is the area that you are the most proud of? In the sense, uh, when you look at it all, and you get your letters, I'm sure from appreciative uh, followers and um, visitors to your site. What what gives you the most satisfaction? And you can kick back and say, Nisi, you've done a wonderful job. What gives me the greatest satisfaction is knowing that I help make a difference positively in someone's life. And for me, that is when I have someone reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I've been working on my mindset and I start to feel better. Or they'll say, Nisi, when you first told me about my mindset and the negative thinking and how it was impacting my health, I didn't want to believe you. And when I started changing some things, then they'll say, okay, I am seeing the difference. And just knowing really that I've touched someone and have been able to help them change. Now with fibromyalgia, as you know, this is not one of those things that's going to change overnight because it didn't start overnight. And unfortunately, many people are looking for that magical pill or something that's just going to take all the pain away. And that's where the frustration comes in. So for me, I feel good when I work with someone and I tell them it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. But if you work with me, let's start working on some changes. And one of the things that we work on is their mindset. So that gives me great satisfaction because if I can get them to change that mindset to start working there, then I know we can make impact. Right, right. Oh, that's where it's all the, the, where the battleground is when there yes. is battle, right? And not acceptance in that. It's all, it's really, in fact, chronic pain, as you know, is a disease of the brain because it involves perception and the brain uses chronic pain as a uh, threat signal. And at, at the end of the day, the brain gets to decide whether something is expressed as chronic pain or not. And one of the ways we know that is in phantom pain. You know, the pain can't be coming from where the arm was. It's not right. There. And yet those, those circuits or pain, almost like the electric circuits of a house are in the spinal cord and brain and can, can uh, be triggered by emotions, by uh, fatigue, um, memories even, and the threat of chronic pain. Uh, the threat of as an alarm signal. Now, on that point, um, one of the things that people who don't know anyone with chronic pain uh, don't realize is that one of the, the hardest things for someone with pain to accept is their loss of identity. Yes. And, um, and of course, you know, we all have roles. We wear many hats, you know. Uh, a woman, maybe a, a mother, a, a worker, daughter, uh, you know, family connections. She may be a soccer mom, uh, helps out at the tuck shop. And when these can no longer be sustained, that is most often where people weep when I take their history. They'll explain excruciating pain and they'll just be normal about it. But then they'll say, you know, I can't even ice the wedding cake or 
you know, or someone might say, I don't no longer even give the eulogies. You know, there's someone always in the family who kind of tends to do that kind of thing. And it's that sense of identity. And if you look at it in the history and it's written down, it may seem trivial to an outsider, but it is central to that person. They are the go-to person in that context. So um, we call this, of course, an existential threat because it's a threat to the very identity. There's a lot being written about it. Yes. And that's why people need to be encouraged to where they can. Um, try to resume their old role, roles if they even volunteer, even if they, uh, you know, helped at the tuck shop for four hours, two days a week, they can maybe do two days, two hours. But it does them a lot of good if it's doable, right? Right. And uh, that's not something you will assume when you see someone you know has chronic pain in the street. You wouldn't think loss of identity, but that is really huge. Um, What is the way you feel that you add most value from your follower's point of view? I mean, in, in, in terms of feedback, you've mentioned what is gratifying to you, but are they most grateful for the community, a sense of community, of belonging, again, feeling at home with people who understand them? Are they more interested in the uh, research uh, information that you publish or um, on your website, uh, or is it the um, the general education or tips or? Sure, great question. Um, I, I think the best way to answer that question in terms of how do I feel I add value most to my followers, I'm going to say is I keep it real. I don't sugarcoat it. Um, some people work in this space who have never had fibromyalgia, so they don't know, but they're talking about it. You know, they've never breathed and lived it. I can share with them my journey and I get very real with them and very, very, very raw because sometimes we want to paint all these vivid, beautiful images, you mm -hmm. know, for people. And I, I tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I create a safe environment for them. I'm very empathetic with them. And then the other way that I feel I add value is I'm one of the few people that I know of in this space for fibromyalgia that has my own radio show as well as talk show. So it's education, but not just education. It's, you know, helping people move from pain to wellness. And people want to know that they have an advocate. They want to know that you understand what they're dealing with, where they're coming from. They want to know that they're not being judged and that you can relate to them. So that's mm. where I feel I add value because I've been there. I know what that's like. Yes. And we see that as well, um, you know, in, in, in pain programs where we can, as treat, treating uh, as therapists, we can recommend something and they kind of said, yeah, I'll think about it and stuff. And then we get someone new in who's got, who's further down the line in terms of severity. And if that person says the same thing to the people we've just spoken to, it carries a lot of weight and you, it's almost certain 
that they, that they will try it because they know they've been in the trenches, so to speak. You know, um, that, that is very powerful. And uh, what better way to understand a condition than from the inside? Nisi, this may sound a bit of a strange question, but it's always what injures, interests me. Um, I'm very interested in the energetics of stuff. What is fueling it? Now, um, when we look at the um, stages of grieving uh, work done by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross uh, in Switzerland years ago, many years ago, um, it's, it was done on, on the death of someone close to one. And uh, she named five originally. They're given in order, but we know clinically we don't see them coming in order. They can come randomly or even clustered, or you can even become arrested in them. Was it what was the biggest fuel, rocket fuel for your activity despite feeling compromised, low energy, frankly depleted? Was it the denial, anger, bargaining, depression? Or acceptance? I think for me, the fuel was the anger. Um, that, that's, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, why I'm, chuck, I'm not chuckling, but I, I, I must admit I'm smiling, is that is the one that I believe, in my experience, has been the best fuel. I mean, obviously, anger is a hard on, on oneself, but please go on. I, I'll, I'll finish when you. Oh, sure. So I would say my fuel or superpower at that time uh, was anger because it anchored me. Okay. It was helping me to give a structure to that, that I was feeling that feeling of loss, you know, and like you had said earlier about that feeling of loss, you know, you lose your identity, you lose your job and how you view yourself and how you identify. So for me, it was anger. And for me, with that anger, I had to do something with it. And I thought, you know what, when you first get really, really angry, sometimes it's going to increase your pain levels, you feel sicker. But for me, I used that fuel and said, okay, how can I use this to the best of my ability? And that is how I turned things around for myself. That fueled me to to do what I needed to do to move forward. You know, don't make any excuses, you know, research. If I needed to exercise and, and, and work out, you know, do the right things for you. That's not going to give you a flare of course, you know, healthy eating mindset. So that was my fuel. And um, I used it, you know, I want to share this analogy with you. You know how some people yeah. say with, um, Popeye, how he would have his spinach and that would give him all that energy. Well, <laughs> my anger, <laughs> my anger is yeah. what really fueled me to move forward because I was determined, Trevor, that you know what? I'm mad about this and I am determined I'm going to get to the end of this and find what is going to help me. I don't care what the doctor said, I accept the diagnosis, but there's more that can be right. done to help me. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I, I chuckle because um, anger is the one that I think I don't, obviously I can't encourage that in a patient, uh, is the one that normally, if it's channeled, can achieve quite a lot. Now, to denial, for example, and, and by the way, I'm 
these are human reactions and very understandable. When I go through them, I'm not in any way judging or trying to, God forbid, condemn uh, any of them. But uh, denial is basically a, a very, when you don't want to face something, a very human reaction. But it's kind of kicking the can down the road, right? I'll do right. Do, I'll have to tomorrow or, the, or a year's time. Anger is, this has got to go somewhere, but there's energy fueling it. Bargaining, well, you bargain with, you know, um, the universe or a deity, whatever, whatever your belief is, but it doesn't usually get resolved, right? Um, depression, I mean, very sad to be in that state, but um, it's kind of low, very low energy, it keeps you there. And acceptance, obviously, but in the, in the stages of grief, acceptance is really where you want to be. So anger can be useful. It is hard on the body, um, but um, it you know it's interesting that we can channel our emotions. Anger doesn't have to stay anger. One can explain things, and understanding comes, or you can see it for what it is and for what it's doing, um, and and change. That's what we best as as humans is change. And I um, want to add to that too, if I may. Sure. In addition to anger, I think the other thing that was to fuel was finding meaning. When I share with you how God spoke with me and said, it's not about you, I found the meaning for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And once you have that epiphany and once you have that encounter and you understand things, then to me, once you understand it, then that yes. changes the context of things. Yeah, once you understand the why, the how yes. to go forward becomes. I mentioned that as I've mentioned that many times before. The work of Viktor Frankl, um, who who wrote uh, *Man's Search for Meaning*, and uh, he 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 highlights the uh, plight of um, Holocaust uh, people who were imprisoned in in Nazi Germany, and he he notes that sometimes the frailer people who believed there was meaning in that suffering did better, fared better than, pe than people who just said this, this is terrible and makes no sense, which is entirely rational. Let me make it very clear feeling to have. But if there was some sort of manufactured, if you like, meaning, it got them through. Yes. And that's very powerful. I think it's probably the most powerful example I know of where people, um, you know, were able to, to survive the most horrific consequences uh, situation. Um, so Nisi, do you have any advice to our listeners um, who find themselves in a similar position? If you could give one or two pieces of advice, they've just been diagnosed, their head is spinning, they're going to either work half day or part-time, uh, maybe give up their job. There's a lot going on. What are two things you would like to say to such a person, please? First thing is I encourage you to create your own pain toolkit. So when I say pain toolkit, some of the things you may want to have in your toolkit, number one is work on your mindset. Number two, um, I you know have a diffuser. So I diffuse essential oils such as lavender to help me relax. There are products out there such as Dr. Teal's, T is in time, E-A-L-S that when I'm showering, it has eucalyptus, you know, and it has other things 
in there that helped me to unwind. Um, in addition to that, diaphragmatic breathing, deep breathing, okay? Yeah. But I can't yeah. stress enough about your mindset. That is very important. Yeah. And also number two, I'm here for you. If you want to contact me, I will take you by the hand and help you to the best of my ability because you can get through this. Don't give up. Stay on Hope Avenue. Always have the attitude of expectancy that things will improve and they can. Nisi, um, just tell tell them where they can contact you on your website. Yes, you can go to www.fibromyalgia patienteducation.info. You can also contact me via email. I'm going to give you my personal one, Nisi Edwards at gmail.com. Or you can contact me directly, 224 area code, 225-9478. And let's get to working together to create your own personalized toolkit. Nisi, I thank you very much for an excellent interview. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. It's been a pleasure being here. As it was asked. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our show here at Healthscape. Um, Please join me the next week um, for another interview. This is your host, Dr. Trevor Campbell. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Healthscape with Dr. Trevor Campbell. We hope you'll join us again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time or listen anytime on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week.